We are back after a most intriguing uh, discussion with Gary Bernson. I have quite a few uh, uh, items left over from segment one. I, let's blow through a few of those. I do. I want to do some science in our, in our third segment today, but let's uh, let's wrap some of these up. In uh, the Enron story, the upcoming uh, trial of uh, Kenneth Lay and Jeffrey Skilling has uh, has taken an ominous turn for the defendants after Richard Causey, the uh, the Enron's former accounting chief, has uh, cut a deal with prosecutors and will be working with them to prosecute the head men at Enron. Very significant win for the government on this one. We'll, we'll follow that one, of course. The trial is scheduled for this month. And from the legal, oh God, we would hope so file, we have the item that in Modesto, Lacey Peterson's mother was awarded the proceeds from her slain daughter's life insurance policy after a lengthy court dispute with son-in-law Scott Peterson, the convicted killer. Superior Court Judge Roger Boschenzi on fr- last Friday sided with Sharon Rocha and awarded her the proceeds from the $250,000 policy. Apparently, Scott Peterson's attorney, Pat Harris, had been arguing that the insurance proceeds should not be transferred while his client's death penalty case is on appeal. Four quick international items. Apparently, uh, if you smoke and you ride uh, trains in Europe, uh, you're going to have to uh, put them out. Switzerland has been added to the list of European countries that has banned smoking on trains. The announcement from Rail Europe is effective immediately. Switzerland thus joins Italy, Belgium, the Netherlands, Norway, and Sweden, which have instituted smoking bans already. Rail Europe says that all French trains will go smoke-free within a year. And uh, apparently uh, things in the Caribbean aren't so good. Uh, the number of Cubans intercepted at sea trying to reach the United States is at the highest level since tens of thousands took to the Florida Straits on makeshift rafts and small boats in the 1994 exodus sanctioned by Fidel Castro. The rise in refugees is uh, inducing uh, some clashes between the Coast Guard and the people trying to escape uh, over the so-called wet foot, dry foot policy, which does not apply, by the way, to any other immigrant group. As of last week, 2,683 Cubans had been intercepted by the Coast Guard at sea and sent back. The way that works is if you can plant your foot onto dry land, you're here, you're allowed to stay. But if you're caught while you're still wet, you're sent back. Crazy. And speaking of crazy, the Japanese government has decided to move forward with a ballistic missile defense program with the United States, a top government official said uh, uh, two weeks ago. Well, we'll see what that kind of thinking does for the recovery of the uh, Japanese economy. And I love this story. Big story on New Year's Day that uh, Russia decided to, um, to cut back on gas supplies sent to the Ukraine when they couldn't work out a payment schedule because I guess Ukraine's getting this subsidized uh, uh, price far below the international um, uh, levels for, for, for gas, uh, dating back to the old days of the USSR. Well, they decided to cut the Ukraine off. However, the pipeline to the rest of Europe runs through Ukraine, and other countries started noticing a market reduction, which was supposed to be the market reduction for the Ukrainians. Austria, Croatia, France, Poland, 
and Slovenia all noted they were down one-third in gas shipments. The Germans said there was a noticeable reduction. Hungary was down two-fifths. Italy noted a considerable reduction. Moldova noted a complete shutoff in their gas. Romania was down a fourth. Slovakia was down two-fifths, whereas Ukraine did not quantify any shortages. Russia said Ukraine is siphoning gas meant for others. You think? Boy, how do you enforce that one when the pipeline runs through Ukraine? One of the more remarkable obituaries of 2005 should have been the passing of uh, the legendary muckraking journalist Jack Anderson. Jack Anderson was so huge for so many years that it, that it amazed me that his passing just, you know, got like a, you know, a buried section, maybe page A8 in the B. Um, we know a few people that, that knew Mr. Anderson uh, a bit, and we're going to try and bring them on the show in the weeks to come to talk about a guy who really was a giant uh, in, in the field of investigative journalism. We're also going to try and get someone on to talk about this lawyer out in Roseville that's decided to sue everyone uh, under the sun who's, uh, who is not to his liking in promoting creationism. He, in fact, even tried to sue uh, uh, Gerald Lowenstein, professor of medicine at UC San Francisco, for his article in California Wild Magazine, which was... Uh, somewhat disdainful of the creationist boneheads. Of course, in calling these creationists boneheads, I would like to point out that that is an opinion that is only mine and does not represent that of KDVS, the staff, our sponsors, or the University of California. Nevertheless, they are boneheads. And I would like to quote from Mr. Lowenstein's article, or Dr. Lowenstein's article in California Wild. Nations ruled by governments that replace science with ideology have not fared well during the past century. Stalin destroyed Soviet agriculture and genetics by appointing Trofim Lysenko, an anti-Darwinian amateur, as czar of crop management. Mao Zedong led China in a great leap backwards by unleashing the Cultural Revolution, a radical socio-political movement characterized by military rule, terrorism, purges, and educational restructuring which eliminated science and banished most academics and educated people to hard labor in the countryside. Millions starved and industrial output ground to a halt. Only recently has China begun a remarkable recovery by educating a new generation in science-based skills and methods. Dr. Lowenstein noted that if the creationists succeeded in their latest assaults on public education, here are some likely exam questions and answers for the intelligent design course. Question. What accounts for the cosmological background radiation? Answer. God. Question. What energy sources drives the tectonic plates and causes earthquakes and volcanoes? Answer. God. Question. How can we account for the geological record that shows only one-celled organisms for the first three billion years of life on Earth? Answer. God. 
Question: What system of biological thought best explains the changing forms of multicellular life over the last 500 million years, as shown in the fossil record, and the present distribution of plants and animals on Earth's seas and land masses? Answer: God. Grade on exam: 100%. I think we have to clarify for people that、uh, you know that that evolution is not quote just a theory unquote. Uh, the uh, the、uh, the guide for museum docents, which was prepared for training docents and staff members at the Museum of the Earth in Ithaca, New York, noted that、uh, a theory in science is a structure of related ideas that explains one or more natural phenomenon and is supported by observations from the natural world. It is not something less than a fact. Theories actually occupy the highest, not lowest, rank among scientific ideas. The term theory doesn't mean idle speculation, although the、uh, the creationists would have you believe that such is the case. Well, it ain't. All right, let's do a bit of science here to close out the program.、Uh, the New Scientist magazine,、um, as usual, delivered for us big time. Shades of Kurt Vonnegut and his Ice Nine from Cat's Cradle. There's an article here about as titled "As Hot as Ice" that notes that water doesn't need to be below freezing for ice to appear. Contrary to、uh, expectations, it turns out that water subjected to an electric field can then line up because the molecules of water are very polar in a, in a structure that very is very much reminiscent of ice. Water exposed to electric fields thus can、uh, order itself up enough to, in essence, solidify and freeze at room temperature. What's most surprising is that chemist Yoon Mi Choi and his colleagues at Seoul National University in, in、uh, South Korea, but the research is that、uh, they used fields of of electrical charge that were surprisingly low, low enough to be found in nature, revealing the possibility that hot ice may be hiding in all sorts of unexpected places. And in fact, this phenomenon of ice lining up and becoming well—if not ice, it's—if not ice per se, then a very viscous form of liquid water—that、uh, this might explain some、uh, peculiarities、uh, that have been noticed for years. For example,、uh, the fact that、uh, calcium and chromium seems to affect water molecules、uh, that are moving around them much more so than do potassium and sodium ions. The, the molecules around those ions become、uh, relatively immobile. This might also explain a mystery that's baffled scientists for some time about how clouds forming uh, around uh, supercooled water、uh, form ice crystals at negative 10 degrees at first, but then subsequent rounds can form ice at higher temperatures. Noted that this mystery might finally be solved if specks of ice can hide out in the electrically charged crevasses of the clay particles found in these clouds. Interesting stuff. Stay tuned for more on that one. Of course, we should note that research came out of South Korea, and research done by Wu Sukhwang of Seoul National University、uh, has now been tossed out.、Uh, the cloning crisis, according to the magazine, has gone from bad to worse. Dr. Huang had apparently claimed that he'd made 11 lines of human embryonic stem cells,、uh, each cloned from a different person, and it turns out that that is absolutely false. In fact, all of his research is now、uh, under the microscope, including a 2004 paper in Science magazine in which Huang claimed to have made the first cloned human ESCs, and also the fact that、uh, Nature 
And also, Nature is thinking about asking for DNA evidence to back up Huang's high-profile claim to have created the first cloned dog. We might note this is the difference between science and religion. You have to provide evidence in science for your claims. And if your evidence uh, does not stack up, then the claims are rejected. And how about this rather whimsical article titled, The Robots Are Coming? Uh, Daniel Wilson noted in the magazine that intelligent robots are among us, albeit mostly still confined to labs, but he says it won't be long before they are out and about and part of the workforce. And like all oppressed populations, they'll inevitably rise up one day. How should we respond? Well, here's Daniel Wilson's tips on how to deal with the upcoming robot rebellion. All right, how to escape a humanoid robot? Well, here's one method. You can force the robot to follow you into the sun. Uh, Vision sensors are confused by sudden changes in lighting. That may slow them down. You can also run to a comrade, deliver a quick bear hug, and then dive in a random direction. A vision-based target tracker might temporarily lose track of your identity during the hug. I see that one's based on the buddy the buddy system of scuba diving where if you buddy up with someone, there's a 50% chance he'll get eaten by the shark. It suggests that you don't run in a predictable line. You should zigzag erratically or when hidden from view, change direction suddenly in order to throw off predictive tracking systems. It's anticipated that a humanoid robot will be able to run faster and for longer than you can. Therefore, you should take pride in your primate heritage. Humanoid robots are not as good at you as scurrying over walls, climbing hillsides, or clamoring over and under parked cars. How do you spot a robot mimicking a human? Well, it suggests that you examine the face over time. Ask an innocuous question, and then during the reply, observe the subject's skin, lips, and teeth. Even if the robot is almost perfectly human-like, you'll get a creepy feeling. And it says that your gut reaction is a human survival trait and a well-known phenomenon. Trust your gut. You should also test social skills. Human beings unconsciously acquire a vast amount of social knowledge, such as how to stand in line, the concept of personal space, and why men should wear pants to work. Wilson notes that if the guy standing on your porch doesn't follow these rules, don't let him inside. In fact, that rule applies whether he's a robot or not. And lastly, how to detect robot speech. Smooth-talking robots could imitate friendly people over the telephone or radio. It's noted that recognizing a robot voice can be harder than you think. So try to use some hard-to-pronounce words. The more common the word, the more likely it will be to have been included in the robot's original voice database, so the better it'll sound. Uncommon words will have to be synthesized anew. So, yes may sound perfectly human, but how does your caller sound when it utters the word fibbert gibbet? And lastly, try to evoke an emotion. Does the speaker mind when you intimately discuss the promiscuity of his mother? If not, you may be dealing with either a very polite human or a non-human. Either way, it's a good idea to hang up the phone. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I'm your host, Douglas Everett. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. We would like to thank our guest, Gary Bernson, for talking to us about uh, what went on in the war in Afghanistan in 2001. 
We recommend his book, Jawbreaker. It contains a lot of stuff in it that we did not even begin to get into today. I conclude after reading it that either Gary Bernson is lying or a lot of people in the administration are lying, and I, I, I don't think it was Gary. I realize that's uh, shading some gray matters a little bit more black and white than perhaps uh, they really are, but I think I'm going to leave it at that. Stay tuned for Todd.